the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. I have found over my life, just personally speaking, that giving at least a tenth to the Lord does three things in my heart. Number one, it reminds me that everything I have is from His hand. It reminds me that everything I have is from His hand. Number two, it generates in me a spirit of thankfulness because I want to do something in response to what God has given, and so I want to be grateful, and it demonstrates my gratefulness in action. And number three, it is also something that helps to keep my heart from becoming greedy and covetous. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Proverbs. Pastor Gary teaches us the Bible's guidelines on how to manage our money. We learn that we are to live within our means, avoid the trap of debt, view all that we have as a gift from God, and to give the first of our fruits to Him. These are all things which will run counter to the ways which our society teaches. Yet by following these rules, we will find peace and blessings. If you have struggled with your finances, study the guidelines which Proverbs provides and begin to implement them in your life. Through doing this, you will make things better. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Proverbs, chapter 8, with part one of his message, Money in Proverbs. We're looking now through the book of Proverbs as we make our journey from cover to cover in the Bible. We're going to tackle this particular book thematically, as I mentioned last week, rather than expositionally. Expositionally is when we go uh, chapter by chapter, section by section. The book of Proverbs is written in a very unique way, where there are various themes throughout the book of Proverbs, and because it is uh, scattered throughout... Um, I thought the best way to approach the study of this book is to look at it thematically rather than chapter by chapter, since the, the thread of all these various themes is sown throughout the whole book. I mentioned last week we're going to be looking at seven particular topics. First, wisdom. Secondly, money. Third, sexuality. Then we're going to be looking at the topic of family and friends. And then speech and communication. And then Proverbs talks a lot about various vices like drunkenness and gluttony, anger and laziness. And the book of Proverbs also talks about certain virtues like humility, compassion, integrity, and truthfulness. Last week we looked at the overarching theme of the book of Proverbs, which is wisdom. 
and we need wisdom in every aspect of our lives. So even as it applies to the rest of the themes that I've outlined for you, we still need wisdom as it relates to money. We need wisdom as it relates to sexuality, wisdom as it relates to relationships, to speech, to various vices and various virtues. And so today we're going to be focusing primarily on the second subject, which is Proverbs related to money. This is a word that we find uh, several times throughout Proverbs, not just money, but wealth and riches. So I'm going to start here by reading from chapter 8, verses 17 to 21, and then, and then we'll tackle this subject together. So Proverbs chapter 8, starting at verse 17. It says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. Now, I just want to point out before we pray, chapter 8 of Proverbs is written as a personification of wisdom. If wisdom could speak, this is what she would say. And so in that sense, we're reading about wisdom as it relates to money. It talks here often about riches and prosperity and wealth, treasuries. So that is the context. But the idea here is that obviously the Lord is the personification of wisdom. So if we're going to get help in daily management of finances, we need the Lord's wisdom. Amen? And so the book of Proverbs deals with this subject among many others, but this is going to be the topic of our study for today. In the familiar 1996 movie, Jerry Maguire, you'll remember Cuba Gooding Jr. saying to Tom Cruise, the famous line from that movie, show me the money, show me the money. Well, it's as if Jesus in the New Testament and the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament and the Bible in its entirety is not afraid to show us the money because over and over again, this topic is given to us in the scriptures. 16 out of 38 parables that Jesus taught had to do with the topic of money and or possessions. In the Bible, there are roughly 500 verses on the topic of faith, about 500 verses on the topic of prayer, but over 2,000 verses on the topic of money and material possessions. Why is it that there's so much emphasis on the Bible from cover to cover about this particular topic of money? The answer is because how we value money and how we manage it is really a heart issue. And God is interested in the heart. Even Jesus linked the idea of money with heart issues when he said in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There is some kind of inextricable link between material things and heart issues. Because material things affects all aspects of our lives. And so we need to receive the Lord's wisdom as it relates to this topic. Stinginess, greediness, covetousness, the love of money, those are heart issues. But so is, by the way, generosity. That's also a heart issue. And we need to understand what does God say to us related to this topic and check our hearts regarding it. Now, I will say at the onset of this Bible study, and I've made this statement in previous studies as it relates to the topic, and I'm going to repeat it again today, that I think the church overall, and I mean, I mean the church in general, has done a poor job on this topic. 
Because a lot of times what you will hear is emphasized either extreme. There is the one extreme where some churches teach the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel basically teaches that money is good, given by God, and every Christian, if you have enough faith and walk right with God, should be wealthy. That's the prosperity gospel. The poverty gospel is also taught in some circles. The poverty gospel basically says money is evil. All money is evil. You should be as far away from it as possible. Christians should have little to nothing because through poverty is really a better display of sanctification. Both of those extremes are unbiblical. And what we need to do is find the balanced view. What does the Bible have to say about the issue of money and material things and possessions? Because again, it touches on just about every aspect of our lives. Now, as we look here at the book of Proverbs, what I'm going to do, and this is what I'll do through the rest of the book as we look at various themes, is I'm going to be highlighting various verses that are sown throughout the whole book as it relates to this topic. The book of Proverbs deals with this topic extensively. The word wealth in Proverbs appears 19 times. The word money appears four times. And the word rich, or some form of it like riches, appears 26 times. So this book has a lot to say about it, and my goal is, as we go through the book of Proverbs, is just to allow the verses to speak for themselves. It doesn't need to be a whole lot of commentary on this if we would just look at the principles and the truisms that God gives us here through the book of Proverbs as it relates to this particular topic. Now, first things first, I'm going to go through 10 principles as it relates to money through the book of Proverbs, and if you miss the first one, the other nine won't matter. Okay, so we got to get the first one down. And the first principle is this, that God owns everything, so we need to manage our money to honor him. He owns everything, so we need to manage what he's entrusted to us in a way that honors him. Again, if we don't get this first point right, we're going to not get the rest of it. And the rest of the advice and counsel of Proverbs will mean nothing to us unless we first acknowledge that God owns everything. We're only called to manage it. And let me give you a couple of verses. One that we started out with at the opening text out of Proverbs 8.18. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Now again, this is wisdom personified, but since Jesus is the personification of wisdom, with the Lord are all the treasuries of the world. With him are all riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. And then another verse here in Proverbs 22, 2 says that rich and poor have this in common, the Lord is maker of them all. In other words, when it comes to God's economy of things, rich and poor are terms that we use, but there's only one class of people as it relates to this topic with God. And that class of people we all belong to, managers, managers. Now, if you're wealthy, you're going to manage a lot. If you're poor, you're going to manage a little. But we're all called to manage what God owns. And we need to get this down. We're one class of people. We're called to be managers of all that God owns. He is the owner of everything. We need to to resolve that in our lives. He is the owner of everything. That house you live in, God owns. That car you drive, God owns it. The TV you watch, God owns it. you got to have this disposition. Everything is on loan from God. He's a wonderful God who loves to bless his kids. And so we need to be careful to manage it properly, but it all belongs to him. He's the owner of everything. David would remind us of this in a couple of verses. I'll also put up on the screen for you. Psalm 24, 1. David said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. 
Not some of it, everything. And David also says in 1 Chronicles 29, 12, that wealth and honor come from you, Lord. You are the ruler of all things. So when we use phrases like our money or my money, okay, and and I'll use that phrase too, but what we need to be careful as Christians is that when we say things like that, we're not laying claim to ownership, we're just laying claim to management. When we say our money or my money, it's really God's money. We're just to manage it properly. That's our responsibility. And lest we forget this, let me remind you also from Deuteronomy chapter 8, that even the ability to earn money that you have earned comes from God. The talents, the gifts, the skills that he has given to us are from his hand. So even our ability to make a living, to receive an income, comes from the talents, skills, and abilities that God has given us. Deuteronomy 8, 17 to 18. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Now then, if we understand that God owns everything and we are to honor him by the way we manage it, one of the key verses we find in the book of Proverbs teaches us to honor the Lord with the first fruits. This is Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. So God's instruction in the Old Testament to the Israelites was this. Every time you receive a harvest, any time you receive anything, you are to bring the first fruits off the top to the house of God to honor me. And in this way, you recognize that this is all from my hand. So the first fruits of the crops was to go to the Lord. The first fruits of any income was to go to the Lord, to the treasury of the Lord in the Lord's house. Not the second fruits, not the third fruits, not the leftover rotten fruits, but the first fruits right off the top. Now, this relates to another Old Testament principle, which is tithing. Now, it's an Old Testament word, but we do also find the word in the New Testament. In fact, Jesus actually endorses tithing in a rebuke of the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, who were so bent on making sure that they parsed everything out by the tenth, and they prided themselves that they always gave a tenth to God, but they neglected the more weightier matters of justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And so in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus rebukes them. And he says, you tithe all of your spices. You tithe everything that you receive. You give a tenth. Okay. But you have neglected the more weightier matters of the law, like justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And then Jesus adds, you should practice the latter without neglecting the former. So tithing is a concept that originated in the Old Testament. Jesus even endorses it in the New Testament in this sense. I understand we're all under grace now. We are no longer under the obligation to give a tenth because of the law. But I am under the motivation of grace. And why would I want to do less than what the law says? God is always interested in the heart. Do I think now I get a pass just because I'm under grace rather than law? No, I should be all the more eager and motivated to honor God with what he has given me. I don't believe tithing is the floor. It's a ceiling. Rather, uh, rather the, uh, the other way around. I believe that tithing is, yeah. <laughs> Rewind that tape. Tithing is 
just the floor. It is not to be the ceiling. It's the beginning point. It's not to be the ending point. It's not to be, you know, this, this kind of legalistic view of, well, I've got to do this. I've got to. God loves a cheerful heart. We should be motivated by grace to honor God with what he has given us and what he's entrusted into our hands. I love what Randy Alcorn said in his book, The Treasure Principle. He said, does it make sense that God would expect from those of us in the wealthiest nation on the face of the earth less than he expected from the poorest Israelite. I have found over my life, just personally speaking, that giving at least a tenth to the Lord does three things in my heart. Number one, it reminds me that everything I have is from his hand. It reminds me that everything I have is from his hand. Number two, it generates in me a spirit of thankfulness because I want to do something in response to what God has given, and so I want to be grateful, and it demonstrates my gratefulness in action. And number three, it is also something that helps to keep my heart from becoming greedy and covetous. When you just want to hoard things, keep things, accumulate things, and you don't have a spirit of generosity, especially towards God, it is easy to cause you to become greedy and covetous and stingy. And so for those three reasons, I love the principle of the tithe because it reminds me God's the owner of everything, I'm the steward of it. And in Thanksgiving, I just want to honor him with at least a tenth. And I don't want to give way to stinginess and greediness and covetousness, which is a part of our heart's sinful nature. And so those things help to stay in right relation with God in terms of this topic. John D. Rockefeller, who lived at the turn of the 20th century, uh, at the age of 53, was the world's only billionaire. The only billionaire earning about a million dollars a week. His net worth in 1913... Net worth in 1913, in equivalent dollars today, was $400 billion. But John D. Rockefeller, by his own admission, was a very tormented man. He said he worried over his assets. He worried about his money. He worried about his businesses. And so he began to uh, physically experience the toll of his worry and his anxiety. By his own admission, he says, I was living on a diet of milk and crackers. I couldn't even eat. I couldn't sleep. I was wasting away. I was dying. Until he came across John Wesley's advice. John Wesley's advice was this. Earn all you can. Save all you can. Give all you can. Earn all you can. Give all you can. Save all you can. And John D. Rockefeller made a point at that point in his life to start tithing a tenth to his church. <sighs> Just let me dream. <laughs> he started tithing a tenth to his church. And then his businesses accelerated even more. And his health turned around. And he lived to be 97 years of age. Because he practiced the principle of a tenth. The second thing it's important for us to understand through the book of Proverbs related to money. Is that money should be treated as a resource. Not the source. Many times through the book of Proverbs we are warned not to put our trust in our money. Here are a couple of verses for us. Proverbs eleven twenty eight: Whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. In Proverbs eighteen eleven: The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it an unscalable wall. Now that second proverb there is, is saying this is a way of, of vain imagination. That uh, Solomon is saying, those who rely on their money think that they have this fortified city in, in their life and that it's like this unscalable wall. Don't trust in your money. 
That is vain imagination. That is folly. It's not true. Your money is an unreliable source of trust. Put your trust in God. We should never trust in any material thing. We should only put our ultimate trust in the Lord. And Jesus even reminded us in Luke 12, 15, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So money should be treated as a resource, but not the source. Number three, the key to making money is to work hard. Now, some of you might hear that principle and think, well, that's kind of a no-brainer. But you'd be surprised how many people don't have a strong work ethic and then they wonder why they can't pay their bills. And the book of Proverbs gives this counsel over and over and over again. It is the most emphasized theme on the topic of money throughout the book of Proverbs. And that is this problem of laziness and having a, a, the lack of a strong work ethic. Fourteen times through the book of Proverbs, it uses the term sluggard. Now, a sluggard is someone who is lazy and unmotivated, doesn't have a good work ethic, sleeps a lot and drinks a lot. That's the concept of a sluggard. And 14 times that word is used to challenge those who have a poor work ethic and instead to challenge us to have a strong work ethic. Now, there are so many verses on this topic that rather than put up a couple of you, a couple of the verses, I've just listed here several, and I'm going to read them rather than you trying to turn to all these verses. But just listen to this counsel from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 24, 30 to 34 says this. I went past the field of the sluggard, past the vineyard of the man who lacks judgment. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. Okay, now pause for a moment. So Solomon is saying, you know, I, I walked by this guy's house and it was all overgrown. Just, it was all run down and I, and I wondered what's going on there. And he says, verse 33, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Proverbs 10 verse 4, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Proverbs 14, 23, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Proverbs 12, 11, he who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. Proverbs 23, 21, drunkards and gluttons become poor, and drowsiness clothes them in rags. Proverbs 20, verse 13, do not love sleep or you will grow poor. Stay awake and you will have food to spare. In other words, all through the book of Proverbs, it challenges us. If you sleep too much, if you sit around the house too much, if you daydream too much, if you talk too much, if you drink too much, you can forget ever being successful or well off. Because money is not to be made overnight. These quick, get-rich-quick schemes are often an attempt to have to avoid working hard. People are drawn to get-rich-quick schemes because they don't know the value of hard work. And they instead want to get rich quickly instead of learning what it means to work hard and to accumulate little by little. That's what Proverbs 13, 11 teaches us. That we gain little by little. We save little by little. The New Living Translation of Proverbs 13, 11 speaks specifically against get-rich-quick schemes. They often fail and disappoint us. But people are motivated because they don't want to work. 
The challenge to us in the book of Proverbs is work hard. As Christians, we should get to the office a little early. We should stay a little late. We shouldn't be punching the clock so carefully that we don't give our all. Because ultimately, friends, listen, we are working as unto the Lord. So we want to honor him. We don't want to just please our boss. That's an earthly figure. But our heavenly father in heaven wants to be honored by a strong work ethic, by doing the extra, by doing even more than what we're required to do because it honors the Lord in having a strong work ethic and we will be rewarded in the process for it. It takes hard work and a strong work ethic to get ahead in this world. As we study the book of Proverbs here on Cornerstone Connection, we'll discover that God is interested in more than just the big picture. God desires that every area of our lives, even the tiny details, to reflect His power and purpose. This is what we learn as we study these practical nuggets of truth which apply to all areas of our lives. If you'd like to access more of these messages from the book of Proverbs, you'll be able to do so at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We've compiled a library of many of Pastor Gary's teachings there, and we invite you to listen to, download, or share any of them. Did you know you can even take them with you on the go? Cornerstone Connection has a mobile app designed to bring you God's Word whenever and wherever you are. You'll find a link under the Teachings tab at cornerstoneconnection.cc. The app allows you to stay connected to us by sharing prayer requests, visiting our website, or checking out our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. You can even join us live each weekend at Cornerstone Chapel, right from your smart device. Again, that app can be found at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Our time is up for today. But be sure to join us next time for more from the book of Proverbs right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.